Welcome to Coffee House Questions. This is Ryan Polly, and we are back for another week discussing science and faith. And the question this week is going to be, can Christians believe in the Big Bang? What is the Big Bang? How does it work? And, And how do we fit that together with God's creation? Or can it even be fit together? And I know that this is one thing that I've heard lots come up. And so joining me for another week is Dr. Jeff Swearing. Thank you so much for coming on and discussing a second episode with me. Hi, Ryan. It's great to be back and look forward to the topic we're discussing today. Absolutely. And for those of you who missed it, uh, I just want to encourage you to go back to last week. Uh, This is, uh, as I said last week, I didn't plan it this way, but this is kind of the reasons to believe month. I had uh, the research scholar uh, Kenneth Samples on for the the previous two weeks discussing logic and critical thinking. And now another reasons to believe scholar, uh, Dr. Jeff Swerink, an astrophysicist and also part-time uh, at UCLA studying dark matter. And we discussed that a little bit last week. And so I just want to encourage you to go back and listen to that very, very interesting stuff. And so this week we're talking about Big Bang cosmology. Uh, Jeff, what is the Big Bang? Uh, well, it is, it's, scientifically speaking, there's two aspects of it. Big Bang cosmology is uh, from some fairly early moment in our universe it's how do we where we see today and, and uh, so you know there's there's expansion of the universe there's cooling of the universe there's galaxies and planets and stars and everything forming and so there, there's there's that description but then it also has this connotation of there being a beginning to things or this singularity or or this state where as you track things back there's a boundary that you can't get through without some really weird stuff happening. And so it's it really has this connotation of our universe beginning to exist. And so in, a, in very general, simple, or in kind of highest level terms, that's what, big, that's what Big Bang cosmology is talking about. Okay, okay. So talking about the beginning of the universe, how we came into existence, and how everything kind of started to form. Now, right. I think a lot of times when, I, you know, growing up, uh, the Big Bang was paired together with evolution. Kind of this, do you believe in the Big Bang and evolution? You know, that is what explains uh, the beginning of the universe. So maybe my first kind of starting off the kind of questions is, is the Big Bang connected to evolution? Can these two things be separated uh, or are they? do they go together? Well, the, what I, the distinction I would make is that Um, At least as Christians, the aspect of evolution that I find troublesome is the idea that if you just allow life to futz around and deal with the environment, that you're going to get humans out of things. Big Bang cosmology is very separate from that aspect. Okay. So now in Big Bang cosmology, the universe is changing fairly dramatically. It's going from a place where there's no stars, no galaxies, no planets, it's cooling down, galaxies, planets, and stars are forming. And so, you know, people will refer to that as cosmic evolution, if you will, or astronomical evolution. Uh, I, I think that's kind of mix, mixing up two terms because evolution really does just mean changing with time. And I think the idea that the universe changes over time is a very non-controversial idea from a Christian perspective. The idea that you can start on an earth and have life develop and you get humans with no divine input, I think that's a far more controversial thing, and that's biological evolution. And I think that's very separate from the evolution that is 
that's part of, you know, just the changing of the universe with time. So I don't know whether that helps or muddies. Uh, you can ask another question if it muddies things. But. Yeah, so, yeah. So maybe just to clarify, just so what you're kind of saying is, is Darwinian evolution is kind of more of a biological science of how life evolved, where Big Bang is kind of cosmology and more kind of astronomy in, in the formation of the universe. And so would you say that these are kind of two different sciences discussing the formation of two different things? And so it's possible to separate and believe in one and not the other? Absolutely. I mean, you can have a universe that starts from a hot, dense state, cools down. You get the four fundamental forces, have galaxies and clusters of galaxies and stars form and go explode and die and new generations of stars and all of that. And you get to a place where Earth forms and that all can happen and have absolutely no uh, connection to Darwinian evolution. So they really are two separate things, but you're right. They often get conflated. And I think that's part of why big bang cosmology is seen with skepticism by a lot of Christians is because they think that if you accept big bang cosmology, you're also accepting Darwinian evolution. And that's just not the case. Yeah. And and that's what I see with students. A lot of times it's like, Oh, I don't believe in the big bang. I believe that God created the universe. And it's like, well, maybe it's possible. And this is what we're going to talk about in this episode is, is it possible that God used the Big Bang or the Big Bang was his way of creating the universe? And so kind of, I guess, before we jump into that, the foundational question that I asked you in the same, uh, you know, in, in the podcast last week is why should Christians care? Um, that's one question I got from someone is, you know, we can talk about Big Bang cosmology and the formation of the universe, but can't we just say God did it? Like, why should, you know, Joe and Sally down at the church on the corner, why should they even want to listen to this episode uh, where we discuss the Big Bang and, and how it functions and what we know about it? I think one of the big reasons why Christians ought to at least be aware of what Big Bang cosmology says is because it provides an, a, a tool for evangelism to a group of people that that may not listen to what the Gospels have to say otherwise. Because uh, what Big Bang cosmology says, or, or, or I could, you can make a very strong case that the basic tenets of Big Bang cosmology mirror what Scripture says about the universe. So, so stated another way, Big Bang cosmology is a, is a description of the universe that we derive by looking at how creation behaves. And so we're studying God's general revelation and asking the question, what's true of the universe in general? And we get Big Bang cosmology out of that. When we look at the Bible and ask the question, what is true about the universe or how does the Bible describe the universe? It describes it in a way that's very parallel or very synonymous or very similar to what Big Bang cosmology says. And so to somebody who says, you know, I don't have to listen to what the Bible has to say. Big Bang Cosmology is a way of saying, hey, science has shown us that the Bible is an accurate description or is a good description of how the universe behaves. Doesn't that mean we ought to, isn't that impetus that maybe we ought to listen to what it has to say about spiritual matters as well? Hmm. And so it really is an evangelistic tool if we understand it well. Yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, one of my talks on you know science, the compatibility of science and faith, and and also the one on the existence of God is using the cosmological argument. So the argument for the existence of God based on the beginning of the universe, um, and you know, and this is kind of what you said is, is it parallels so well that that 
without opening scripture, you can start to see characteristics of God that are biblical characteristics only using the science of cosmology and the beginning of the universe. Um, is that kind of what you're saying, that you, you can see God's attributes just looking at his creation? That's part of it, and I think that's a very important part, but I think you can even push things a little bit harder. So when I look at Scripture, you know, when you talk about the universe as a whole, uh, one thing that seems to run throughout Scripture is that God created the universe out of nothing. God didn't just take pre-existing stuff and rearrange it and say, oh, here's a universe. That God brought the universe into existence. You know, and Genesis 1-1 is the kind of one, one very prominent verse that talks about that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that heavens and the earth, is kind of the Bible's way of referring to all of the created realm, or very synonymous with what we would call the universe, or or has that kind of implication to it. And that word for created is only divine activity. That isn't something that humans are ever described. Humans don't barah things in, in Scripture. But it also it has that connotation of bringing something new into existence in Genesis 1 there. And so when you look at the... One characteristic of the universe, according to the Bible, is that God brought it into existence, that it began to exist. You know, and then there are numerous biblical authors that talk about how God is stretching out the heavens or God stretched out the heavens. And, you know, I find that interesting terminology because it it implies that there's a dynamic nature to the heavens, you know, that they're not just static and fixed up there, mm-hmm. which is very counterintuitive to the way things look. I mean, there are a few things that move in the heavens, you know, planets move, the star, the sun and the, uh, the the moon move across the sky. But the idea that the universe is changing and dynamic is a really kind of odd idea. But that seems to be what those those passages of God stretching out the heavens, that it's a dynamic universe in which we live. And then uh, and this is very key for the scientific process in general, is that the functioning of the heavens is ultimately tied to how God upholds creation. You know, kind of explicitly that's stated in Jeremiah, I think it's 33 verses 25 and 26, where it says, if day and night stand not and the fixed patterns of heaven I have not established, then I will not keep my covenant with uh, David. You know, so God's reliability in keeping his promises is a good analogy for that is how reliably day and night happen in the fixed patterns in heavens. Well, those are determined by what we just, what we call the laws of physics. Mm -hmm. So just kind of summarizing there, you know, the Bible talks about a universe that is, has a beginning that is dynamic uh, and being stretched out, that it's governed by constant laws of physics and is, it has this pervasive law of decay, that things are decaying. You know, that, that seems to be talked about. Those are kind of the big four attributes of the universe as described by Scripture. Okay. Well, now when you go look at, okay, what does Big Bang cosmology say? Well, it says that uh, it flows out of general relativity, which explicitly incorporates the philosophical idea that the laws of physics are constant everywhere, every time, for all people. Hmm. And so it, it, it explicitly codifies the idea that the laws of physics are constant. Based on that and based on observations in the early 1900s, we know that the universe is expanding. So the very fabric of space-time is dynamic. It's not just fixed. Uh, you take those two things, put them together, and you get that the universe has a beginning. That's what Hawking and Penrose uh, established or, start, or 
showed in the 60s and 70s and has kind of played out in different ways, but still is a very strong scientific principle that our universe had a beginning to it. And we also know that because it's expanding that the usable energy is running down, so it's decaying. And so you've got both the Bible and science talking about a universe that has a beginning, is expanding, is governed by constant laws of physics, and is decaying. Yeah. So not only can you just say, oh, there's a beginning, and that implies there's a beginner, but there's this large corroboration between what we find in God's revelation in Scripture and what we find in God's revelation in creation. Wow. It's amazing how closely just that line, how perfectly that lines up. You know, of the, you know, the Bible that we've had for thousands of years and it, and it lines up with what we're just now in, in, within the last hundred years discovering in the sciences. And I know, uh, was it last year that there was the new discovery, the, 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 the waves, the gravitational waves? Right. Yeah. Uh, that, the gravitational that showed waves. The, the, and what did that show? Well, it, it shows that. This was a prediction of general relativity that was made almost 100 years ago to the day. Okay. Um, but it shows that general relativity is an accurate description of our universe. And so it's, it's one more test. Not that anybody expected general relativity wasn't going to pass, but it was one test that had not been applied that has now been applied, and we find that, lo and behold, general relativity is accurate. Okay. And again, that's, that's a confirmation that constant laws govern the universe, which is a very biblical idea. Yeah. And so, again, you know, that that's why I think this is such a powerful evangelistic tool is that, you know, you, you walk up to the average person on the street. And, hey, what do you think about Big Bang cosmology? Oh, that's a great, you know, it talks about this. That Did you know that it actually cor- or correlates with what the Bible describes of creation? Now, you, you know, it's a very net. That, I mean, I don't know how many people are going to be interested in talking about Big Bang cosmology, but that's a very <laughs> natural transition now yeah. to talk about what the Bible has to say and what the gospel is. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think that's a great, you know, point to the what I asked you before of just, you know, why should Christians care about this? And you know, most people, I don't think I've ever heard someone say you can use Big Bang cosmology in evangelism. Um, you know, and maybe not everyone on the street wants to talk about Big Bang cosmology, but I believe that almost everyone on the street will believe in the Big Bang, whereas they they won't maybe line up with Christian thought because it's. Would you say it's pretty much universally accepted amongst everyone? Is is there really much doubt within science or when it comes to Big Bang cosmology? Not really. I mean, there, there's there's if you go get into the details, you'll find that there's some subtleties and disagreements and conflicts and argument. But in that general picture, that would require a major overthrow of how scientists think because the data so strongly points yeah. us to that. And that and that gives us a common ground in evangelism, right? I, I think. Evangelism always works better when we can find a common ground that we can talk about. And if we can then tie that into the gospel or to the biblical view, man, even better. And, and so, hey, there, there you go for everybody listening. Your new, your next evangelism text technique is bring up Big Bang Cosmology. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's a profound point is that, you know, that the idea of looking for that, where do we have common ground? Where does this person want to engage? Yeah. And then how can I bring the gospel into that conversation? Absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, I'll be honest. For As I was an apologist, you know, I developed, you know, studied this stuff for probably the better part of 10 years. And what I noticed is that I it never came up in conversations. And part, part of what I was re- 
what I recognized is that I thought, okay, if I just get all of my arguments in a, in a row there, when this comes up, I can just lay out my arguments and people are going to become Christians or they're irrational. I mean, that, that was my thought process when I sat down and analyzed it. Yeah. And, and what I've come to recognize is that, you know, I'm going in, I'm having a conversation with somebody, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking for what are they interested in talking about? That's just a great way to develop a relationship. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That, that's not even, you know, you, you argue it's a Christian principle, but it's just a great way to develop a relationship is, hey, you know, what are you interested in? What do you think about that? And now I'm by developing this set of tools, depending on what they're interested in talking about, if they're interested in talking about Big Bang cosmology or life on other planets or the multiverse or, uh, you know, any number of things, I'm asking the question, how can I now engage this conversation that they're already interested in? Mm -hmm. How can I bring the gospel into this conversation? And a lot of times I find that what I know scientifically as I've studied these things helps me bring that in. And other times there are other things that people are interested in. You know, maybe it has to do with music or art, which I'm much less conversant in, uh, or politics or various things. But it's engaging where the person where they are and then saying, how can I bring the gospel in here? And how's God going to work to open this person's mind to what he has to say? Because at the end of the day, my evangelism isn't effective because I'm so persuasive. It's because God is at work and he's using me to accomplish something. So, yeah. Well, so, so for that person, you know, I think that you, you, you just mentioned that you are able to kind of bring the gospel into this because you've studied these things, you know, for the Christian who's maybe just grown up and just said, well, no, just God created. That's just, you know, he, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's just, that's all I've ever been told. And maybe I've always thought the Big Bang was either weird or false or just a scientific thing. Um, you mentioned the kind of the four main things maybe that we need to understand. That th What the Big Bang is is it points to a beginning, expanding universe, a universe governed by constant laws of physics, and that it's in constant decay. Um, is there something – are there other aspects maybe that it would be important for – uh, Christians to understand about the Big Bang, or would you just say maybe those are the main four that we kind of need to know? I, I think that's a that's a good place to start, and you, know, you always run this risk of you know you say oh you need to know all these things. Eventually, it can become overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, as a practical thing, what I found is that as I've developed tools, I've had opportunities to use them. And then occasionally God will bring somebody along and I'll have to go develop new tools because they'll they'll bring up something that I'm not prepared for. And so it's just an opportunity to learn. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't want to communicate. you got to get everything in order before you can talk. God will use – God will prepare you and use what you have to bring those people I I around you. Yeah. But you, know, you ask the question, what else is interesting to know? Well, we live in a universe that has a remarkable degree of fine-tuning. In other words, there's a lot of ways our universe could be that it wouldn't support life. And the range of those parameters where it could support life is relatively small. And so just looking at the fine-tuning of the universe, everything from the laws of physics, the number of space-time dimensions, uh, the amount of dark matter, dark energy, and normal matter, the types of planets, where they orbit, the different types of stars, there are there's a lot of things that can evidence design that we can use to, again, engage people. Uh, you know, and some people may be more interested in the astronomy. Some people more be, may be more interested in the geology. Some people may be more interested in the biology. But we see design throughout or fine-tuning 
across the spectrum there. And so just beginning to study that, and, and I don't think anybody will ever understand all of that. Yeah. But the more you know, the more tools you have to use. Yeah. So I think that's one very productive area. I think another one would be looking into the multiverse, because that's a very common objection to, oh, the universe has a beginning. Well, there's a multiverse. That explains the beginning and the design. And so there are people who, if you talk about how the universe has a beginning, how there's design, they're going to bring up the multiverse. And so being conversant there, just, again, it's recognizing that the multiverse isn't inherently antagonistic towards Christianity, but it's a great opportunity to bring the gospel in because there's a lot of interesting things about the multiverse that touch on important Christian ideas. Okay. And I know you've written a book, uh, Who's Afraid of the Multiverse? And so you've you've done some work on this and you've studied it and written on it. Um, maybe spending a little bit of time on this, um, is the, I hear a lot there's no evidence whatsoever for the multiverse. Um, is that true? Uh, do we even need to think about this at all? Or can we just say, no, there's no evidence and dismiss it? That was my first approach to it is that uh, there's really no, there's no way to test this. There's no evidence for it. So I wrote an article saying you just didn't need to worry too much about it. And then as I began to look into it, I'm like, oh, there are actually decent reasons why scientists think we might be part of a multiverse. And I would even make the, a, a stronger statement. You know, we talked about Big Bang cosmology and one integral aspect of Big Bang cosmology to explain our universe is this period of inflation that happened very early in our universe. And I'm not really going to go into what that is, except to say that if inflation happened, the universe is far larger than anything we'll ever be able to see. And so if there's more stuff out there that we can't see, that's one kind of multiverse. There's stuff out there that we can never interact with. And if inflation happened, we almost certainly live in that kind of multiverse. So at least it's a possibility. No, I think if inflation happened, that sort of multiverse exists. Oh, okay. There's no way around that. Oh, okay. Now, would you say that, you know, just in that degree, even that sort of thing, you still have to have a beginning? I mean, could you have an infinite regress of of universes creating universes? Yeah. the short answer is no, but and and the, the little bit more detailed answer is that even as people have looked at the multiverse and how you might get multiverses and stuff, they still seem driven back to the idea that there's a beginning. Now that beginning may precede the Big Bang. It may be that there's a multi or something that generates universes, and we're just one of a whole bunch of universes. But that whole process still has a beginning to it. So it's still a finite number of multiverse of universes. Uh, well, I would say the whole process had a beginning to okay. it. So okay. Okay. I'll leave it at that. that okay. That's that's not quite the same statement. But, okay. Uh, and so and the the idea that you know no matter where what you do if we start here and trace time backwards eventually you run into a boundary where you can't go any further and that's that's what a that's that's a very good term for a beginning. And so even if there's a multiverse, we still have a beginning. Okay. And if if we have a multiverse and the way inflation works, things are still expanding and dynamic and we still have a universe governed by constant laws of physics and it's still ultimately decaying. And so the multiverse really doesn't change the fundamental description of the universe. It just gives us a little bit of different perspective on it. Okay. Perfect. 
So we have about six minutes left. Uh, that's the problem of having 30-minute shows. <laughs> it goes by so yeah. quick. Um, <laughs> one thing that you said, and I want to jump back to, and, and probably this will take the rest of the time, is you talked about the fine-tuning. Um, and, and so I just want to kind of maybe give some ideas to the listeners of what is some of the fine tuning that goes behind the Big Bang uh, with with star formation, galaxy formation, with supernovas, uh, just how our universe came into existence. Why does why does it need a fine tuner? Why why do we see fine tuning rather than this? You know, just the explosion creating everything by pure chance. Well, uh, try, I'm just going to think for just a second because that question, depending on what level of Find, or how how rigorous you want to be. There's aspects of fine tuning that are way deep into. There's a potential that drives inflation, and in order to get inflation, you have to have that potential very finely tuned. Okay. Uh, so not you know just any kind of inflation won't work. It actually requires tuning things. And in fact, there are some scientists who say you know agnostic and atheistic scientists who say no inflation can't be right because it requires too much fine tuning. Interesting. And if you go a little, you know, kind of move into our, just get, get, uh, go past inflation. And now you talk about why do we have the laws of physics or, you know, these, you know, the electromagnetic and the strong and weak nuclear interactions and the gravitational force. And why do they behave the way they do? Well, you look at that and you see fine tuning and how they're related to one another. If you want to produce a universe that has stars and planets and galaxies and water and life. And so we see design or fine tuning even at that level. Um, we see fine tuning in, uh, you know, just where planets must orbit around stars in order for them to host water, which life requires. We see fine tuning in or design in the genetic code that is universal to all of life, that it is a genetic or it is a, a computer code that far exceeds anything the best computer programmers on Earth have ever developed. You know, so there, there's just there's so much there. there. There really is. And so that that's kind of what's neat about it is you, you can go out and talk and just say, you know, there are scientists who are agnostic and atheists who say it looks like the universe is designed and it has a purpose. You know, you got Paul Davies and Fred Hoyle and uh, Roger Penrose. And, you know, there, there's a lot of people who say the universe really looks like it's designed or fine tuned. Yeah. Now, one of the aspects. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, you know, you can start with just the statements and then you can probe and say, well, why are they making those statements and understand the science a little bit? And no matter how far or how deep you push into that, how you make the fine tuning discussion changes. But you see that evidence of fine tuning and design no matter how deep you push into that. Yeah. So maybe just to finish up, just one example uh, is the fine tuning behind one of the aspects you talked about with big bang cosmology is the expansion of the universe. Um, right. and that does it have to expand at the perfect speed? Uh, if it expanded too fast, stars couldn't form too slow. It would collapse back in on itself. Is that true? Uh, that even that has to be perfect expansion rate. It, it really does because you know, the, there's two aspects of how the universe behaves. There's the expansion, which think wants to pull things apart but then there's gravity in our universe, and it wants to pull things together. And if the expansion was not balanced with the gravity, and you know, this gets a little more complicated when you throw dark energy in there, but the principle is still the same, is that if it were not at the right rate, if things expand too rapidly, 
stars, planet, stars, planets, galaxies, and clusters of galaxies don't, don't form. Hmm. And if things expand too slowly, then all you get are black holes. And the balancing or the dividing line between those two in terms of how the universe must be is a very fine line. I mean, it's one part and 10 to the, you know, tens of zeros. Um, so it's, it's a, it's an incredibly narrowly defined number. Okay. Now, what's interesting is you push on that a little bit and you'll say, well, inflation actually produces that exact expansion rate you need. But so now we've got a mechanism for explaining it, but it still needs to be very fine tuned. And the mechanism that produces it is actually fine tuned. And so this is where, you know, we, we may find a mechanism, but even in the mechanism, we see that fine tuning arising. So okay. that's part of the fascination of the science is that we, we dig in and probe and we get answers, but w yet we still see God's handiwork. It, it's evident if we want to find it. Absolutely. Wow. So to finish it off, one really hard question. Do Christians need to be afraid of Big Bang cosmology? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I mean... You can choose to be, but you don't need to be. And in fact, it's, I think it's a great tool that we have not only to reinforce my, our conviction that Christianity is true, but also use that as a tool to spread the gospel to others. There we go. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time, Jeff, uh, to talk to me uh, these two parts on science and faith and Big Bang cosmology. Ha uh, just thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for inviting me, Ryan. This has been a lot of fun, and I agree, the time's gone very quickly. Yes, maybe we'll have to do it again another time. <laughs> all right, well, right. and for all of you listening, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And just know uh, that you can interact, and if anything was said here that you have questions or comments about, you can send those in at, at contact at coffeehousequestions.com is the email, the Facebook page, Coffee House Questions. Uh, text them in at 714-989-6927 or on Twitter at RyanPolly3. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week. This is Ryan Polly with Coffee House Questions.